Welcome to Stance for Health podcast with Dr. Rod and Karen Wirth, where becoming healthy is not complicated. Control your health by focusing on six areas of life that we teach you so you finally have the energy you want, have to do what you want instead of being a victim of your age. I have over 20 years experience working as a chiropractor and Karen is a author, speaker, and longevity coach. We've seen how a tiny change in your habits today can open up your life to a powerful future. Start today and take your stance for health. Welcome. This is Stance for Health. And I am so excited today because I have with me the dashing Dr. Rodney P. Worth. And I'm with you. Got to talking about this and we were laughing and maybe you'll join us has something to do, I think, with our generation of uh, when we were kids. These are things that we were told when we were kids that now that we're on this stance for health and our path to, to better health, we are beginning to recognize that these are not necessarily 100% true. And these are hard things to break because we've heard them for so, so long. So first of all, I just am excited to have my husband here because he is so knowledgeable as a chiropractor, but also in the whole area of health. So I'm going to let you start with the first one. The thing that I remember most about being a kid was around the times of like holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Even Easter, we had the opportunity to, to eat some special meals. And, and when mom used to cook it or dad used to kick in, grandma used to kick in, all the, all the grandmas, all the aunts, all the uncles, we'd get together and we'd have this meal and you'd eat all these things that just look fabulous and smell fabulous. And, and you want to eat them all. Because 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 you don't want to offend anybody. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And Can't offend anybody. And talking about having a sweet tooth, you got to make room for dessert, even oh, if you yeah. don't have even room. Even if you don't for have dessert. Room. Yes. So one of the things that was so common about growing up that way was having something called eyes bigger than your stomach. I think I heard that from <laughs> either mom or dad or both. So as a kid, you're so literal, and I could just see. Our eyes growing, you know, I don't know how big my stomach is, but I pictured it pretty big, especially after those meals. And so then it was like, oh, my eyes just kept growing and growing and growing. Yes. And then besides that, if you did eat or put too much on your plate. Well, that's not even the half of it. It's that we would intend on eating what we had on our plate because it was all going to be so good. And then we'd eat it so fast that we didn't have a chance to let our body's chemicals kick in, the satiety centers kick in. So we would Which be... doesn't that take 20 minutes? Oh, yeah. and I, At least. We'd, we, it was like being in the army. Of course, that's a fast forward, but we'd probably eat it in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. A whole plate. Go back for a second. Yeah. And have some more. And then I was on the opposite end. I wouldn't necessarily eat it so fast because I'm a savvy baby. I eat it just a teeny bit at a time. But then I got punished for not eating everything on my plate. So I'm sitting there. You're going to have to explain that a little bit better because savvy baby actually people can kind of oh, get different okay, okay. In- interpretations. Of that. Well, we grew up in very different parts of the world, right? I grew up in Central America 
And there were certain foods that were very special and you just savored them very carefully. And one example was pumpkin because any canned good was was extra expensive. Now you get all the tropical fruit you wanted, but when mom made her pumpkin pie, that was a very special treat. So I'd eat just one little bite at a time. Well, that's not at all what I grew up with. I mean, for us, I mean, we, many of our families that they invariably would be eating on like a farmhouse Mm. or, or in a small town just inside the cornfields. And it was all about harvest and it was all about, Hey, it's almost like the attitude of, Hey, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's just go all out. Let's not this, you know, don't, don't even think about it. We're, we're going to celebrate. We are going to bring everything. The intention was actually to overload. It was a feast. And I remember those days when we would go visit my grandma and, uh, and grandpa, because they had a farm in Texas. So probably very similar to that. I would grandma would make like three different meats and 10 desserts and mm-hmm. on and on and on all of her special things that became then like a tradition And you had to eat a little bit of every single one. But here's the hard part. When you were finished eating that, how did you feel, Doc? Oh, I think it's in some ways, it's actually it's actually like somebody who has drunk too much alcohol. They forget how horrible they Mm -hmm. felt the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. After drinking too much. Yeah. It's easy when someone eats too much to forget how bloated you feel, how so full it almost, it replaces the feeling of hunger. Yes. It's worse than the feeling of hunger. Yes, it is. It is. And that's why we hear so much around holidays that people say that they were in a food coma Mm. because it was like their body is rebelling against all the sugars and, and, and food that's not good for them. So what do you do now around that, around holidays? That is a great question. You know, a lot of it, you know, as you know, we've done together and a lot of you out there don't know uh, what it's like to, to modify your diet from something so robust and so over the top as the Midwest or all the feasting that happens. And it's, it's like, you just plan on overeating. Mm -hmm. So to, to go from something like that to having that over the top feeling of full to the way we feel full now because of, uh, because of the changes we've made in our diet, we've actually increased the good fats mm-hmm. and therefore increase the, the feeling of satiety. And I eat far less and feel as satisfied as, as I did, but it's a better kind of satisfaction that it, than it was then. And for those who don't know, we've really not told you this part of our journey is that with the cancer diagnosis, with the basal cell carcinoma on the left, his left eyelid, we made a quick change after hearing Dr. Murphy, Dan Murphy talked about how we should be eating. We just switched on a dime just like that. And We're starting our second year of it because we never did it. It was never about losing weight. Well, and for those of you who don't know uh, Dan Murphy, he's a colleague of mine, but then he's a research fanatic. And so he spends as much time probably researching or more than I do on the floor seeing patients. Plus, he has a busy practice. Plus, he teaches. 
uh, and he, it's like he's got an idiotic memory, a, photo, a photographic memory. So a lot of the things that he teaches, he's looked at it before. And then he's like, okay, I'm, this is the information I'm giving you. It's hot off the press. And by the way, it's on page 19, <laughs> third paragraph. That's the way yeah. he is. Yeah. And so uh, I, I had heard about him 20 years ago. And one of my colleagues that I was sharing office space with went to one of his seminars and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, I've heard of Dan Murphy. He's, he's amazing. He's a DC. And then he's got a few other letters after his name. And he came back from the, he came back from the seminar. He's like, man, the guy, he does research. It's incredible. And I was like, okay, yeah. So he doesn't, obviously he doesn't disappoint the reputation, his reputation precedes him. So when I actually got to hear this two years ago, that's what Karen's talking about. And that's ultimately, that's how it changed my life is that I had such a high expectation of what I was going to hear when I went. And just like us, Dr. Murphy and Michelle, they basically eat this way. And so that to me was so impressive. Here's this man with 20 bit books spread out in about a hundred articles. And he's no exaggeration. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> although I sometimes do that, but in this case, I am not. Mm. And just the conviction with which he spoke this. And that's one of the things that as you listen more to stance for health, you will find with us that we do not ask you to do anything that we aren't currently doing. And so we are on an anti-cancer, anti-inflammation way of eating. I don't like to call it a diet because most people, when they diet, it's temporary. And then they plan every holiday. They're going to go off of it. It's just because it wouldn't be fill in the blank. It wouldn't be that holiday without, and then some kind of food that they know is not good for them. In our case, we've just chosen to work a little, I've worked a little harder to have substitutes. And that's where the, where the real credit lies is that all I have to do is clean up the mess and she does <laughs> the cooking. It's been fun. Baking. It, and that's talking, talk about, it's not even a fair comparison that the flavors are so much more robust now because we don't have all these uh, excitatory uh, toxins, for lack of a better word. If if I get into MSG and things like that, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit. But the but that's the thing that I'm that we're we've removed from our diet so that mm-hmm. we can actually taste the food, the true flavor of the food, and revisiting what it means to get through a holiday that's uh, replete missing all of these different sugary foods. Don't miss don't. it. We really know. don't miss it. That's the that's the crazy part about it. That's the beauty of it, really. And when we're full, we stop. Yeah. And when you feel that satiety center catch up, then or we feel okay. Yeah. Second one, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That was just the first one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We've switched that around as well. Tell oh, us about that, Dr. Well, Mark. that's that's beautiful because it's a great segue into the fats that we consume. And I love coffee. So I love putting things in my coffee that taste good and mimic. 
Uh, and I can tell you the chemical way that it does it, but to not go into a whole lot of detail right now, when we put MCT oil, which is medium chain triglycerides, sounds like I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's actually only a couple tablespoons of that. And that starts to fire off the satiety centers early in the morning. And then it's going, it's going straight into an energy cycle that increases the energy in the body coupled with a certain amount of caffeine and heavy whipping cream mm -hmm. because it's just fat. And so. so we practice intermittent fasting. That means Bingo. that our last meal of the day is in the evening. We do it as early as possible. We'll talk more about that at another time. But at this point, we don't eat any solid food other than our, our, it's been called bulletproof coffee, but it's yummy, but you don't even miss it. No. And then we don't eat till 11 or 12 the next day. So that intermittent fasting, what does that do for my body when I do that? Well, the intermittent fasting, there, there's a load of different things that it does. And there's the, there's, you've got something inside your cells, inside the, the nucleus of the cell, and that's also called DNA in the nucleus. So when that gets replicated, when that changes, when, when you start to make these connections to the make a copy, a new mm -hmm. copy of the cell, mm -hmm. you have business end of, the, of that DNA, right? And in that replication process, you have a message that takes, that takes place, messenger RNA. And then you sequencing these things, they're actually held together and they're kept from disruption. They're kept from something called the telomeres or the telomeres. They're kept from um, causing defects as frequently, if at all. And so what intermittent fasting does is that it actually helps to the body to repair itself. In other words, it's similar to this. The way I had it heard it explained to me is this, is that if you can, one way of looking at it is that if you have the the business part of your DNA, think of it as, and your GI tract, think of those two things as almost like a road. And if you give that all this energy to your GI tract, then you're gonna not going to have as much energy to do the good things in the cell with the mitochondria that actually helps speed up that or catalyze that or cause something called the ATP or energy to take place so that that, uh, that that copying machine that's inside the cell can actually duplicate it better, faster, and with with better accuracy. That and that's part of the nuts and bolts of. In, in a way, that's part of what uh, that's part of what intermittent fasting does is it gives the road a chance to rest. It takes well, like a couple. That. It takes a couple of lanes down to one lane. But it is what Karen said is that you don't notice it's one lane when you do MCT and and the heavy whipping cream. It's uh, satisfies you, but it's also creating energy for cell duplication and all the other cell processes. And then the other benefit of the of the, these two things in your morning coffee is that you avoid the brain fog, which so many people complain about when they are fasting and their bodies, they're not that used to it yet. And we, I'm sure there's other things you can put MCT oil in, in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could actually do collagen for that matter, right? Mm -hmm. There's really, and there's a really mm -hmm. good collagen, by the way, that we've, we'll be talking more talking about more that about. soon. Kind of yes. a teaser. Yes. So a, a spoiler good, alert, a good one that is well-sourced. Yes. The final one. Oh, so what, what we're encouraging you to do is to give intermittent fasting a chance. Give it a chance. Because you will be amazed at how good you feel, how much energy you have, and how as your body gets used to that, it will 
add to your longevity. The third one and final one is that as kids, we used to love having fun at the table. And I always hum and I've gotten in trouble for humming at the table <laughs> during a meal. And uh, it just is like, you know, maybe getting kicked under the table if we were visiting somewhere. Mm. And so it's one of those things that I'd like you to address that. That's so funny you say that. Uh, one of my favorite things now, having studied chiropractic in the midst of chiropractic is, you know, did we study the bones? Yeah, 206 bones, right? We studied over 600 muscles, but what powers all that and what can causes all those tissues in the body to communicate is the nervous system. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you have the nervous system, as you know, that's the nervous system is broken up into a few different categories. And one of them is the autonomics, the autonomic nervous system. What is that? That's basically kind of the unconscious nervous system, right? right? And so that's then divided into fight or flight flee, freeze, fawn, however you want to say that. And, and so that's that's the speed up nerve part of the nervous system. And then the other part is rest and digest. And you know about these nerves that actually exit the, the skull on their own. Those are called cranial nerves or cranium related nerves. And one of those that gets stimulated in the process of humming is the vagus nerve. Now the vagus nerve is, is aptly named because it exits right about in here, and then goes all the way down. It's from the mouth all the way out to the evacuation center of the body. So everything is being bathed in this nerve for rest and digest, to do to digest your food better. Mm. How about that? Mm. <laughs> here we are at the table having fun. <laughs> That's, you probably, heard, probably made a really weird noise on the recording, but... Anyway, that but that's uh, that's you know one of twelve cranial nerves, and it's the probably one of the most far-reaching and and robust of the nerves with with regard to the rest and digest centers. And especially in as we have so much stress today, the things that we can do to relieve that. So, what did what are three things just to cap it off? Is that stop eating once you're full. Eat lots of good fats. And that satiety center will register your full. You can just push the plate back. The other thing is, instead of making breakfast the most important meal, fast. Don't break that fast until 11 or 12. Mm. And have fun when you get together. Have fun, laugh. And uh, don't let anybody tell you to stop humming at the table. And we didn't even talk about some of the other cranial nerves that we got in trouble for when we were at the we'll table. We'll get but to those at another we're time. We're going to do that again yes. later. Okay, something to look forward to. You then. are such a good guest. Thank you for being on. Oh, it's been my honor. Thank you. And as we talk about your stance for health, it is about longevity. It is about simple steps that you can take to live a healthier, more vibrant, and fulfilled life. As some, one of my favorite authors has said about this topic, die young at a ripe old age. Mm. And that's what we want for you. Thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you soon again. Karen, Sebastian, so or your you longevity guys. Thank you for us Stands for Health podcast, where getting healthy and staying that way are not as complicated as you might think. Subscribe now and discover steps and small changes that can increase your energy 
and open the door to vibrant health and longevity. If this podcast has been helpful, please write a review. We'll see you next time.